And we're back with EXPN. I'm Burke Dadley. And I'm Roran Westborough. <laughs> okay, I did it. Let this moment of silence from the audience be a remembrance for my late dignity, survived only by my career soon to follow. Oh, don't be such a sour pussy. Audience polls show fans love it when we make goof of us. You're not wrong, but poll results are biased towards the kind of viewer who would fill out a poll. You mean the fantastically attractive and interesting conversationalists? Dirk, stop milking the polls for ratings. You don't sign your name on the high score. It's not a game. If it were, I'd be winning. Team Gold Dragon is about to face off against the Codices, and it's Insidious Illuminator. You think they're just running out of juice? Oh, no. I mean, he's called the Illuminator, but I don't see any lights on those pages. Dirk, illuminations are decorations and marginalia painstakingly drawn into great and significant works. Oh. I was hoping for festive after-dark illuminations. Dirk, you live on a breathtaking Magitech satellite. What wonders could twinkling lights possibly hold? I don't know, Russ. Just reminds me of what could have been. Wow, Dirk. I had no idea. Well, what significance does decorative illuminations hold for- You're thinking about being a god's damned firefly again, aren't you? Maybe. Will this sinister scribe spell doom for Team Gold Dragon, or will our brave novices silence this villainous volume? Let's find out. As the Codices and the Illuminator discover your hostile intent to bring fire into the library, they are incensed with fury and an intent to kill. I want everybody to roll me initiative. What would you roll, Gaspar? Five on the die. Mm, Halifon? Fourteen on the die. Perfect. Ayavos? Sixteen. Ooh, boy moving quick. And Penny? Nine on the die. All right. The Illuminator turns to you, its long body swaying like a snake about to strike. It brings its pen to bear. Suddenly, blank pages fly free from the walls, shaping, reforming, manifesting picture and word. Not one, but four Illuminators now stand before you. Copies. At Initiative 20, the Codices have a Lair ability. They will not engage that this turn because they are using copyright to create the copies of the Illuminators. The initiative order begins with Iavos Isadora. Iavos is going to, with one hand, grip his childhood blanket that he wears around his waist, softly rub his thumb against the worn-in texture, and he calls out for the mother to protect his three friends, and he casts Bless on Team Gold Dragon. Hell yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And then for my movement, I casually slide a little bit behind Penny Farthing and her big, big shield. (laughs) So to give everybody an idea of how these Illuminators work, there is one real Illuminator and three copies. It works very much similar to Mirror Image. However, each of these copies is capable of taking a turn as if it was the Illuminator. That moves us to Hal von Orison. All right. Hal is going to activate Operation Suicide Hal and rush past two of the Illuminators to get behind one. And then with my action, I'm going to use Radiant Consumption. So Hal starts glowing, emitting bright light and blazing with an inner fire. All of my uh, metallic tattoos light up. My glamour activates and embers start sort of floating around me. And I take my bonus action to rage. Every element of that that is heat-related instead manifests itself simply as light. The glow is there as if there were an ember, but there is no fire in the place. That's weird. Okay. Noted. At the end of my turn, all three of the illuminators near me take two radiant damage. Excellent. The first is not the real illuminator. The second is the real Illuminator. Okay. And therefore, the third is not. I liked your impulse to roll there. That was good. (laughs) Me too. I'm also 10 feet from the book, so if the book is capable of taking radiant damage, it also takes two radiant damage. It actually is. Nice. It does not react, 
But it does take damage. All right. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Just right in big words. Big yeah. bubbly letters. Dick. Yeah. And that makes it Penny's turn. You may be the illuminator, but illumination only casts greater shadows. And I give inspiration to Gaspar. Hey. I am a great shadow. You are. You're the best shadow. Oh, thanks. Who's the best shadow? It's you. <laughs> um, and then Penny's going to hop forward and stab at the Illuminator with Zillos. All right. Give me an attack. That is a 21. That is definitely a hit. Ooh, that is another max damage from Penny today. Ooh. So that is nine points. Killing those D6s. And that makes it Gaspar's turn. Gaspar's going to charge straight at the real Illuminator, saber in hand, and is going to strike low, aiming for the ankles. Oh, you can't get exactly opposite me, can you? That's too bad. Okay. I think if you moved one space farther back, Angelo, then you'd technically be... I, I would like to move to where is beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Right there, so you and I are on exactly opposite sides. Okay. That's for the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is a 16 to hit. Beautiful. You're that, blessed. I am blessed. Daddy Bless makes it 20 total. It definitely hits. Is that me? My daddy Bless? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mommy Bless. You, right. yeah. It's a whole family damn Bless. Yeah, the whole, <laughs> that one blessed family. Blessed be this house. Bless. That is 20 points of slashing damage to the ankles. Hot. Jesus. To its and, snake ankles. Snake yeah. ankles. Serpent angles. And as these pages are fraying, the deconstruction of its form and soul will be the catalyst that allows me to summon Nepet ah. right above the illusory version, the copyright, letter opener in hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That should have bonus damage against paper. And Nepet does four points of necrotic damage. Beautiful. And that is enough to destroy that copy. Is that the end of your turn? That is the end of my turn. At the end of your turn, three new copies appear. Damn it. And that begins the Illuminator's turns. One of the Illuminators steps forth and does something you're all very familiar with now. It uses paper cut. Mm. Penny, Iavos, and Gaspar, please roll me a dexterity save. Remember, you have a d4. And I'm gonna need it. Yeah. 17 for Iavos, thanks to Blaze. Marvelous. That's 28 for Gaspar. Jesus. Mama bless. Jesus. <laughs> Law, are big you bless, blessed? Big bless. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to say. Okay. Thank you, bless. You pushed me up to a 12. Oh, no. Penny, unfortunately, will be taking full damage. Ouch. <sighs> you cut. That is going to be 14 damage, cut in half for those who succeeded. Ooh. That's, that's a lot. That is harsh. And I'm not going into this one with any false life ready to go. Oh, yeah. Goodbye, half of my hit points. <laughs> I made the save. <laughs> Reeling from the damage you've done it, one of the Illuminator copies moves over to Hal and draws its pen spear. Okay. Bring it. <laughs> it thrusts forward twice, but you're able to easily dodge it. This is not a combatant. This is just an illustrator. Okay. Nice. How smiles. However, in study, they find many secrets. One of the Illuminators raises his staff and writes a word in the air. A word that Iavos recognizes. And it casts Crown of Madness on you. Oh, no. Oh, no. Someday I'll have Counterspell. But not for <laughs> a long time. <laughs> Crown of Madness is a, a charisma save? That is a wisdom saving throw. Ah, damn. <laughs> I hoped it was charisma. I'm way better at those. All right. Well, I got plus one. Plus plus. Oh, I might be okay. All right. I hope so. That is one from bless. One for my wisdom save, because I'm proficient in it. Plus 14 on the die, so 16? Just, yeah, you did it. You got it. (laughs) Yay, bless. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Another comes from across the room and approaches you. As it does, you can feel a sense of dread coming over you. It takes the spear, raises it high, and tries to thrust it into your chest, glowing with necrotic energy. Okie dokie. It attacks you 
with vampiric touch. Okay. All right. I don't have the best AC in the world. Does a 16 do it? It does. It hits. Okay. That's going to be 3d6 necrotic damage, which you resist, if I remember correctly. I do, because yeah. I'm an awesome R. Yeah, yeah, you smile. Yeah. Fucking good thing. It does 13, which uh, cut in half is going to be 7. Yeah, 6. Round down. Oh, That's all good. All right. That's not too bad. So, at the top of the initiative, that is to say, at initiative 20, the codices get their lair action. Loose sheets of vellum small and torn pull free of the codices fly through the air and begin to patch the damage on the illuminators it heals them for 1d4 plus 4 hit points and they are under the effect of bless until the end of their next turn ah oh damn that's a tasty and that is the end of the codices turn moving it on to iavos so on iavos's turn he's going to execute a rarely uh, seen maneuver for my hovels and run at full speed uh, <laughs> 30 feet towards the large sheet of vellum hanging from the ceiling. Was it just me or was that a really awkward misty step? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a sweaty step. He's going to hold his bottle over his head and said, Team Gold Dragon, unified strike in five, four, three. And hold his action. Ooh. <laughs> All right. I like it. All right. Uh, that is the end of Iavos's turn, which makes it Hal's turn. Cool. Hal hears Iavos shout this, and it confuses him a little bit. It pulls him out of his rage, mostly in confusion, blinks a couple of times, and turns to look at the book and plunges his bone halberd into the book. Nice. Go ahead and roll me that attack. All right. I'm going to go ahead and reckless attack the book, which seems really silly, but you know what? Sure. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> just going to get real pissed off at this book. Uh, what is this number? This book is every textbook you were forced to read. Yeah. It's, it's every goddamn like summer reading it's, project it's, you were given. It's Pamela by Samuel Richardson. Is that the guy's name? It was the worst book I ever had to read in school. I don't even remember it. Yeah. Well, it was because I had to read it for college. Anyway, 12 plus 5, 17 is enough to hit without bless, but you know what? Hell with it. Bless. 19 total to hit the that book. Definitely hits. Okay. How stabs a book. All right. Give me a damage. Yeah. How's going to divine smite the book? Okay. Fair enough. Jesus. Hal hates books. Hal does hate books. Just been waiting. That's canon. How's going to try and break the book? Also, I'm assuming this will pull aggro, so this is a good thing. Yeah, I'd imagine destroying their entire life's work is probably mm-hmm. going to mm-hmm. ruffle their feathers a little. Nine. It's not just their four. life's works. It's a lot of lives. It's work. a lot of lives. They really put their soul into it. <laughs> okay. I assume the book is neither undead nor a fiend. It is not. Okay. So it takes 16 points of damage. All right. Die, book. Okay. As you strike it, ink pours out of it, climbing up your halberd and begins to cover your arm. As it does, the ink then goes back onto the page, and you see, written in fine text, descriptions of the flesh that it's pulled from you. It uses hellish rebuke. Okay. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, Make a dexterity saving throw. Dexterity saving throw! I'm blessed! That may not help. (laughs) Eleven. That does not do it. Yeah. You might imagine it has very good mental stats. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're going to be taking 2d10. Fire damage. Uh, in this case, it is actually acid damage. Acid damage. That is 13 coming at you. I don't love it, but I'll take it. Hal is bloodied. But your bone halberd does find home, cutting a nasty gash through several pages. Nice. And that makes it Penny's turn. Penny flinches after the paper cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, But then opening her eyes, she realizes she's not as damaged as she thought she was. Remembering a moment later that she's naturally resistant to magic. And that her second saving throw was 24. (laughs) Nice. Penny is going to use her standard action to set a reaction for Iavos' combo move. And then uses a bonus action to shout some some inspiration over to Halophon. Halophon! I'm so proud to see you hitting the books. <laughs> Wonderful. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's fucking evil. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So you get some inspiration, and that moves on to Gaspar's turn. Gaspar hears a signal for a unified strike. Knowing what the possible result can be on this battlefield, he's going to use his bonus action to do steady aim, which means he can't move, but he will then prepare his action for the trigger. Marvelous. At the end of your turn, the combo move triggers. So it begins with another casting of Caustic Brew, only this time I am keeping it unmodified as acid damage, but it emits as a caustic black line of ink. Ooh. It shoots out in a 30-foot line, which magically happens to hit all four of them because you lined them up just perfect for me. I did. But I am going to use a spell secret, and I'm going to guess, I'm reaching, I'm going to assume that their worst save being paper thin is constitution. (laughs) I'm going to require this to be a constitution save. That's absolutely fair. And the DC is increased by one because we're using our glory. Nice. Uh, So they have to make the DC a 14. Nice. So just to give everybody here a heads up, the spell DC for any spells you cast here are going to be increased by one. The check bonus for everything here is two. And you add one D4 to your damage dice if you succeed. And I am casting this at second level using my last second level spell slot. What is the DC? The DC is 14 with the bonus. Marvelous. The only one of the four to succeed was the real one. Three illuminators are drowned in black ink, and as the ink falls, they too dissolve into it. The final illuminator stands at the end of the room, confused at its lack of allies. And that triggers the combo move for the other two of you. Penny, give me your attack. Okay, it looks like Penny's like, what, ten feet away? Mm -hmm. That is great, because that's enough room to take a little kind of running leap and do a maneuver that it's much more common in her homeland, though, more as a sporting thing. And she leaps horizontally through the air, one knee forward, her other leg trailing behind her, and as she sails through the air, she drops the point of her sword across the clavicle and into the trapezius. Yes, absolutely. Unfortunately, it doesn't have muscles or bones, but cool anyway. Go ahead and roll me your attack with plus two. And bless. And bless. Don't miss. (laughs) Hey, don't. (laughs) That's a nat 20. Oh, yes. Holy shit. And the bless was three and then, you know, plus five for Penny. Don't even need it. You got the hit. Does glory dice double Um, on a crit? I'm going to say no. Okay. Had to ask. Totally fair. So that's going to be double the damage dice plus the damage bonus plus the... Glory bonus. Yep. Okay. Max day. No, it was a two and then a one. So this hasn't really come up, but since you rolled so terribly on your damage dice, if you roll less than your maximum damage for your attack, then you get to just take maximum damage for the attack on a critical. Okay. So with the critical hit, Mm -hmm. Penny's normal bonus damage, the combo bonus damage, and the additional bonus damage from Zillos' ability... Mm -hmm. It is a total of 11 points. Woo! Rockin'. Hell yeah. Not the best critical in the world, but certainly (laughs) enough to hurt. Right. That could have been a lot higher. That's short swords, baby. (laughs) Mm -mm. And that makes it Gaspar's action. Gaspar has the crossbow drawn, and it's pretty much pointed at Iavos until the spell launches out. He aims the crossbow following the spell effect waiting for the moment that a survivor braces from the spell effect. And in this case, first one gets hit and disappears, second, same, third, same, and the fourth already has Penny leaping onto it. And so while she is up in the air, Gaspar is going to ricochet the bolt off of the floor and then towards its stomach. (laughs) Beautiful. Go ahead and roll me that damage. Roll me an attack. Rick shot. That is a total of 25. That definitely hits. That is 12 points plus two from the combo move, but I just realized this is piercing and not slashing. Mm, yep, yep. 14 points of damage, which is more than Penny did with her crit. It's true. So how much damage is that total again? Seven after resistance. Oh, no. If it resists it, you know, you can... Yeah. Penny's blade finds home, powered by her blood fury. Gaspar's bolt ricochets off the floor and tears through its belly. The acid, unfortunately, does nothing. 
and the Illuminator still stands. At the end of this beautiful and lavish turn, a pulsing energy comes from the book and washes over Hal Orson. As he does so, he finds himself looking at his weapon, something that was once so close to his persona, and realizing that he has no idea how to use it. The ability to force an opponent to unlearn combat skills is a powerful one indeed. Good thing that wouldn't work on me. Ha! Got it. Yes, I'm sure he never saw it coming. So here's where I get confused. The codices control the reality of the library. Why not just write out Team Gold Dragon? Dear Diary, today a foretop of dorks came into my bookhouse, and then they died. The End, by Dirk Bradley. I, too, wish to understand the unknowable mind. It's incomprehensible and foul works, easily processed and quantified. But my time with you has shown that even the greatest minds can be vexed by the unpredictability of a rogue I don't think Gaspar's going for the book, Rust. Besides, I'm pretty sure the Encyclopedia Idiotica here has enough HP to take at least a couple dozen sneak attacks. No, a rogue element is an unstable variable. Something that behaves differently than one might expect. Oh, like if someone were to eat burritos every day for a week and feel fine. Then this guy eats a salad and suddenly I'm the lead role in the toilet adventures, featuring guest appearances from blood, sweat, and tears. If you're suggesting that the salad, in this scenario, is the rogue element, you have greater concerns than your understanding of the term. Believe me, Rust, I know exactly what my concerns are and they're brewing as we speak. How long till the commercial? Fifteen seconds. Cover for me. We're live. I know. If we weren't, I wouldn't need you to cover for me. While Dirk struggles to hold back the consequences of his actions, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Between you and me, I hope it's for scented candles. We're gonna need them. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon. A keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into... The Adverse. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. We now return to That's What She Slawed. Filmed in front of a live studio audience. So anyway, that's when I embedded my eggs into his abdomen. It's been two weeks and he's still having my kids. I don't even know his name. Did you at least buy him a drink? What's up, you dirty slabs? Sladimir, you can't just let yourself in like that. Sounds like someone regrets giving me a spare key. I didn't give you a spare key. You left it for me right under the doormat. Sladimir, what happened to your claws? Who did this to you? I did it to myself. They were getting a little long, so I went to Manscaped.com and got the new Shears 2.0 nail grooming kit. It was perfect for my toe claws, too. I was sick of them ruining my flip-flops. Manscaped? That sounds like a human creation. It is. Usually I hate those stupid apes, but they really knocked it out of the park with this Manscaped thing. Their performance package 4.0 comes with the newest lawnmower, and it's the most advanced and easy-to-use electric razor I've ever had. It works underwater, which is perfect for my murky bog. And the 7,000 RPM motor and ceramic blades leave my egg sac smooth and glistening. Wait, we're sleds. We have pubes? I thought we were giant frog monsters. There are a lot of weird dimensions, Sladrick. Frog brush is hardly the weirdest thing you could think of. But without your deadly claws, how will you rend the flesh of your foes? I'll just use a knife or something. You've disgraced all slawed with this act. Why would you do something so shameful? Well, without those big claws, it's a lot easier to finger blast your mom. Manscaped.com. 
Come check out the new Performance Package 4.0, the Weed Whacker, the Shears, and all the wonderful colognes and skincare products available to you. Be clean and confident. Feel the wind on your chimes. And use code LUQ for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com. Don't trust anyone else with your junk. Hey, all you cuties. Welcome to the mid-roll. And if you're wearing headphones... We just got done recording the next chapter of Battle Axis, and I gotta tell you, this one is extra special. Be sure to tune in hashtag every fucking Monday as Team Gold Dragon tries to climb the ranks and see what Zenith and the League really has in store for them. TheLUQ.com is where to go for all news about the show and things related to the show, like actors' pages, merch, and the links to our social media. Come on over to the social media. We'd love to see you there and interact. We do that kind of thing. This show is made possible by Patreon support. There wouldn't be an LUQ without Patreon. Unlock tons of bonus content and D&D resources by following the link on our homepage. Higher tier patrons can make characters they get to join the battle axis and become part of the lore of the show. Or you can become a legend and get mentioned during the mid-roll as part of our legendary teams. Our current teams are the Twilight Concord, the Forgotten Legacy, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Titans Rise, with Darce Mail, Andrew42, and Evelyn. If you want to contact us, advertise with us, or get a personal message in the mid-roll, contact admin at slapdashstudios.com. You want to send us physical meat stuff in meat space that isn't actually meat, the P.O. Box is 230091 Tigered, Oregon, 97281. If you're in the Portland area on the weekend of September the 10th through 12th, the LUQ will have a live game panel on Sunday at 1145 at Rose City Comic Con. We'll let you know more information about that as it becomes available. Follow us at twitch.tv forward slash slapdash streams to watch me and Zach play loads of games throughout the week, including our cooperative Soling Nuzlocke on Wednesdays. Not to mention new episodes of LUQ premiere Monday night hosted by the fabulous Dungeon Mistress Dana. Me and Zach have been extra motivated lately and very excited about the future of LUQ and the chance to keep making content that you all know and love. And we wouldn't be here without you, so thank you, one and all. But enough out of me, let's get you back to the Battle Axis. Let's get real for a minute. Adventuring has a lot of risks. Arrow to the neck, dagger to the back, arrow to the balls, all kinds of dangerous arrows coming from left and right. Not to mention the fireball spells and the acid splashes and the traps. What a mess. But there's another risk that comes from a life of adventure, especially for those who explore the dungeons of the heart. Who are we to deny that some monsters are very attractive? And if we play our cards right, the opportunity to get lucky may come around. I'm very against messing with dead things, but if it's returned to life with sentience and it's down for some consensual pleasures, sign me up. I don't know why some of these snake women have breasts, considering that kind of piping doesn't seem standard to the reptile kingdom, but I do know I like what I'm seeing. And if you're into dad bods, ogres are a total jackpot. It's a whole wide world of sexy monsters. Now, I'm not saying I'd make out with a gibbering mouther, as tempting as that sea of chittering maws may seem but I could get down with exploring some bondage with a chain devil. Anyway, I got off track there. You're an adult. What a human and a monster get up to by choice behind closed doors is a-okay with me. But you gotta be safe. Make sure you don't accidentally create some new species with your frivolous cross-pollination. And you gotta shield yourself from STCs. Sexually transmitted curses are on the rise. Now, you may have a thing for mummy doms, but nobody wants a case of skin rot. You ever caught bugbear crabs? You can boil these things with corn and sausage. You gotta protect yourself. Use the one rubber ring of protection designed to shield you from a specific kind of evil. Always carry prophylactories in your loadout. Your first and last line of defense. Enjoy yourself, but don't be reckless. This message was sponsored by Teratophiliacs Anonymous and the Universal College of Glamour Bards. Hal is suddenly dumbfounded as he looks at his weapon and realizes he has forgotten how to use it. He is under the effect of the legendary action Uneducate, wherein the codices choose a creature who then loses either their weapon and armor proficiencies or must make a DC 10 plus spell level check before casting any spell. Love that. And that makes it the Illuminator's turn, who turns to Penny and Gaspar and regurgitates a thick line of glue. I want both of you to roll a dexterity save. And we are still blessed. Blessed still going. 
Oh, bless. 17. Mm. Nice. 22 for Gaspar. Nice. Both of you succeed just fine. You're currently standing on difficult terrain, which will harden if you're still on it by the end of this creature's next turn. They are gluent. Whoopsie do. And the illuminator goes to glue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and at the end of its turn, the codices duplicate. Oh, there's a four of them. I hate him. <laughs> Somewhere among the four illuminators, there is one heavily weakened, and that is the only one that matters. It is back to the codices beginning lair action. It will use the opportunity to heal its ally. Uh, that heals it for the full eight, and it is now out of the effect of Bless. And that makes it Iavos's turn. Iavos looks to Hal, staring at his weapon, dumbfounded, having just done battle with this evil book. Hal, I, I could use your help, he says, looking up to this big sheet of vellum hanging on this massive pillar. He's going to focus on the four illuminators and hold an action till right before Gaspar is about to strike to attempt to eliminate some of them. Mm. He's also going to use a five-foot move to step close to the book so he's adjacent to this massive tome. And that makes it Hal's turn. All right. All of these things have popped up all around Hal, and I was just asking Hal to get the things. So Hal's going to drop his glaive, take the disengage action, and run for the page, which I think I can get to. Yep. Do I have movement left? That's six. Uh, that's five steps, and you have six, right? Okay, cool. Um, and it was my action to get there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it for me. Mm-hmm. So that ends Hal's turn. Okay. And that makes it Penelope's turn. Penny is going to move up to the closest illuminator. And Penny, having become a scrappy little fighter, mm-hmm. does a maneuver that she's learned where she pushes up her shield to block its vision, and then rakes her sword across its inner thigh. Nice. That is an 18 plus 5 plus bless if it affects attacks. Mm-hmm. That's a hit. Yeah, I was about to say, it's at least 23. <laughs> let's not be those people who roll the dice that don't need to be rolled. Right, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, let's earlier. do damage. That is 7 damage. Okay. And now it's reloaded. <laughs> uh, that was not the Illuminator. The copy falls to shreds, dissolving in the pool of ink below it. And that makes it Gaspar's turn. At the beginning of Gaspar's turn, I always spell triggers. Nice. Uh, he grabs the quill off of his necklace and creating sparks, he drags it along the page of the giant book and says, time for some light editing. <laughs> and from the tip of the quill comes three pitch black magic missiles, one of them striking each of the three active illuminators. All right. The first missile finds home in the true Illuminator, but the other two still complete their task, taking out the remaining copies and leaving only the real. Which deals at three force damage. I should have done that at the beginning of Penny's turn, but I thought she went second. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> well, it would have just it would have just respawned at the end of her yeah, yeah. turn. So And that is Gaspar's turn. In an attempt to get my advantage here because I'm, I'm a rogue I'm always hungry for that uh, there are some tables where all this scribing is being done I'm going to attempt to power slide underneath them and then pop out from under it and slash upwards yeah I love it get them get them that is a 27 to hit that is definitely a hit what did you roll 18 plus 4 plus... Uh, oh, sorry, 28 to hit. <laughs> that, would, that would do it. Bless. That's why. Mm-hmm. Bless it. For a total of nine points of damage. Nice. Nice. It is a pile of rags barely holding on, held up by magic you cannot see or understand. It is practically non-existent. At the end of Gaspar's turn, three more illuminators are created, ready to strike. Getting real sick of these guys. Mm-hmm. Two of them attack Penny. Oh, shit. I forgot. <laughs> Our formation can't be blamed for the shadow jutsu, you know? 20 and 13. The 20 hits and the 13 glances off of one of the mini studs now in Penny's armor. <laughs> Perfect. You are dealt a total of 10 damage 
Three of that is piercing. Two of that is psychic. Ooh. That sounds good. Okay. Followed by the second. 15 and 8. Neither of those hit. My armor class is 17. Nice! You are now suddenly flanked by two illuminators. Fortunately, they're not intelligent creatures, so they can't get bonuses from flanking in this context. But two illuminators suddenly manifest themselves on opposite sides of you. One of them strikes. You're able to dodge one, but the second finds home through your studded leather. But that's because you were paying all of your attention to the one that was behind you. You managed to deftly dodge the two attacks that come from that direction. And you now stand at the ready, prepared for battle. Tank bard. Tank, tank bard. Hashtag tank bard. Realizing that Halifon Orison is running for the page of flame, one of them attempts to use crown of madness again. Okay, okay. Please give me a wisdom saving throw. Wisdom save. This looks promising. 19. That's a success. You can feel the madness start to creep in on you, but you're comfortable with madness, at least a little bit, and you're able to shake it off. The final turns to Gaspar and makes two attacks. Hi, bye. No, I'm sorry. That is a 21 and a 5. I'll take the 21. All right. That is going to be 11 damage. Uh, five of that is psychic. One of that is piercing. It faints with one blow, driving you in the wrong direction as it comes around and stabs you. It seems frantic and aggressive. I let out a Vries chirp. <laughs> Perfect. And that brings us back to the top of the initiative. The codices use their layer action to recover six HP of the Illuminator and give it bless. And that makes it Iavos' turn. Okay, I'm watching Hal do Hal's work as he's getting ready to pull down this vellum with his big, strong muscles compared to my wimpy, shitty old muscles. Um, so, Iavos is going to replace the quill on his necklace and pull down his old rusted sewing needle mm -hmm. and hold it over his head. With his bonus action, he's going to utter a prayer. With hands of silk and fingers strong, she patches fabric split in twain. And a healing word flies out and strikes Gaspar. Three plus wisdom one? Yeah. Three, yeah. Uh, you are healed for six hit points. Thank you. And he holds his action until Halifon places the page down on the book. Keep that needle up, bro. You're going to need it. Quite right. <laughs> I like that. And that makes it Halifon's turn. All right. Hal's going to rip this poster off the wall and drag it over there to that book. Okay. Your action is to remove it from the wall. Okay. And you can move at half speed to get to the book. Okay. So 10, 20. I get it there. I have us do your thing. I'm going to kind of shake the healing energy off of the needle, refocus it, and then I'm going to drag it down the spine of the book, casting Mending. Ooh, I like that. Um, yeah, you don't need to roll anything for it. Hal hastily tries to assemble the page. It's somewhat crooked and a little awkward, but it works. And as you cast Mending, you see the Phantom Needle stitch its way along the spine, creating a new binding. Ooh. And suddenly, the idea of flame is filling your minds, heat and warmth, hearth fires and cooking, and you're free to cast spells of fire. My battle glamour returns to its full glory. <laughs> Embers burst to light around you. And that makes it Penny's turn. Penny is going to start by whispering a little prayer and casting Healing Word on herself. Nice. And regains six hit points. Mm, 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 mm. Feeling a little rejuvenated, she cracks her neck, drops her sword into a backhanded position, and then does kind of a pirouette, simultaneously pushing one of these illuminators with her shield, just enough to um, make sure it keeps its distance, and driving the point of her sword into the other one's neck. All right, sounds great. Give me that attack. Combat Penny's pretty savage. Mm-hmm. 21. That's a hit. For eight points of damage. Penny drives her shield into a copy as it stumbles and falls to its knee, turns in a pirouette, and drags her blade across the true illuminator. Yeah. Cutting Woo. down what little health remains. That's our lucky Penny. And you all hear 
the clatter of wood as the insidious pen spear of the illuminator falls to the floor of the scriptorium. It falls in tatters, its beautiful artistry now garbage, refuse on the floor, drowning in the acidic ink left there by Iavos. All four copies dissolve. The codices are defenseless. And you stand with the power of fire. Iavos looks to his three allies, all battered and bruised, looks down at this evil tome full of souls and flesh, and looks to the team captain, says, At your command. Iavos, fire at will. (sighs) He reaches into one of his deep pockets and pulls out a small bent tin shakes it next to his ear and opens it and one crusty old match is left inside. And he says, We light a flame in honor of those lost to us. Flicks it with his thumb and casts Firebolt on the tome. (laughs) I love it. Immediately, flames spread across the old vellum. Words appear, desperate and pleading, but they are not cohesive. There is no sentence structure, no grammar, No knowledge therein, only fire and pain, as the great and terrible book slowly burns. Gaspar hears two whispers from a set of books next to the vestments of a page, and takes pity on the cries of help, and will steal those away before covering the workstations in oil. All right. You do find two of the page's books wrapped in their belts. Then Iavos is going to kind of trudge across the floor, sad at the sight of this burning knowledge. Possibly more knowledge than he could have ever collected in his entire life. But corrupted, twisted, powered by death. He bends down and picks up this large quill and uh, with a prestidigitation cleanses it of the blood soaked through the wood. (sighs) Extermination quests. Am I right? (laughs) The fire begins to spread out of control. This place is devoid of meaningful moisture, and the fire hungers for it. I think we should try to find an exit. Yep. There's no doors! (laughs) (sighs) I scoop up my spear, and I I mean, we can follow the marks back to the door. Yep. We follow Hal's writings Mm. all the way back home. You quickly make your way from the scriptorium, but the fire is burning faster than you could have possibly imagined. Everything is lighting. The only things that are not burning behind you is the stone, which begins to clatter and crush the ashes below. You make extreme haste as fast as you can, following the arrows step by step. Sometimes you nearly get lost as the smoke rises up through this great and terrible place. And as you ascend the labyrinth, Countless green motes of light and energy, souls of the damned, drift downward with suicidal intent. Are flaps a trap? Paladins palling around? Get your glory and gossip right here on Major Image. Welcome back to Major Image. I'm Aspen Vancaster, your source for what's hot and what's not in the cutting-edge world of Magitech and adventuring style. Capes and cloaks are a thing of the past. Gone are the days of snagged armor and tangled arms as more and more adventurers are slimming down their style. Fitted coats and blast boots are just a couple of ways that top-tier adventurers are cutting down on loose fabrics. If someone had told me one day that Cal Unkillable would be the model for adventurer fashion, I would have yacked up my Goodberry Blast trail shake all over my tasteful frock. But as the league grows, so too does combat strategy. Of course, traditionalists will say that there's always a place for billowing burlap and harem pants, but after watching Ashpool strangle a highwayman with his own half-cape and use that sorceress skirt to aid in an ankle pick, the adventure meta is reconsidering the question of fashion over function. Speaking of the ASMR a-hole, AAA enrollment is at an all-time high as Ophidian Ashpool whips Team Grey Knight, better known as Silver Song, into shape. The Oath of Treachery Paladin is set to sign with Glenn Armistice, the administrator and dean of the Academy of Adventuring Arts. But whether the marketable mutineer will honor his contract or stay true to his turncoat tendencies is a subject of much debate. Considering Halifon Orison Jr., the other hot rookie for the season, was seen in a private meeting with the dashing dean, there may be some truth to the rumor that Ashpool and Orison may declare an armistice of their own. 
As the novice season nears its midpoint, the application for early Forge challenges are about to open up. Once a novice ranked team has passed the Crucible, it's up to their interim contract holder to decide when the team is ready to join the ranks of the League. In addition to entering the Adventurer's Guild membership in earnest and the right to represent the local leagues, the Forge is an opportunity for up-and-coming teams to distinguish themselves and ideally earn a place on the Battle Axis roster. Break up the team and stay on Zenith, or incorporate and take on the Cosmos together. It's a question every team must answer for themselves. What a dope Ooh, dungeon. That one was pretty fun. <laughs> I love book-themed shit. It's just so tasty. It tastes good in my mouth. Wait, I very much like it. Did we sign up for a library card, though? Mm. <laughs> Fuck your Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> Disrespect your surroundings. <laughs> uh, when when Penny was surrounded at the end there, I just I was thinking back to like the, the training with Pug, mm-hmm. and like I, I really just wanted to have her like whisper, it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so just to give you guys a bit of a heads up, uh, the books that you found are plus one weapons of any kind. The basic idea is that they take the shape of a book and upon the command word, they will transform into the weapon that you designate. You can also take an hour during a long rest to turn them to a different weapon. Dope. Yeah. Yeah. And there are two of them. They can also be turned into shields of plus one AC. Mm, Maybe a spell focus for... Range attacks? Well, that's why I'm going to get to the quill. Ooh, the quill. So the quill is a quarterstaff that can mm. also be used as a spear. Mm. It requires that the person using it be an arcane class of some kind. And it has two fun little abilities. One, it does an extra 1d6 psychic damage. And two, once per day, you can roll a d4 and recover a spell slot of that number or lower. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, that's fun. Very fresh. If there is no spell slots lower, then you don't get anything. (laughs) So if you roll two and you already have all your twos and you already have all your ones, then you don't get anything out of it. Gotcha. That makes sense. Would it work like arcane recovery in that if I roll a four, I recover four levels of spells? Or just a fourth level spell? It has to be a fourth or a third or a second or a first. Understood. Yeah, that would be a bit much. <laughs> Just checking. Especially on top of the plus 1d6 psychic damage. I promise I'm never going to hit with this thing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's totally solid. I just wanted to give you no, a weapon yeah, yeah. because like, you're walking around with like bare hands. Well, I technically carry a weapon wherever I go, but it's kind of a show. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. If, unless someone falls on me, it's not going to be used as an attack probably. Right. And uh, the, the choice of having it require an arcane class was deliberate, Hal. Yeah. Uh, so. That makes sense, You already sense have too. a vampire spear. Yeah, I, I do. need more spears. Yes. But uh, Gaspar, book, crossbow. Mm-hmm. I do like yeah. the idea of a paper crossbow. That's pretty, paper pretty crossbow. tasty. Law, would you like to roll a d4 to see who does the outro? Ooh. Paper saber. Can't see. It's Michael. It's me again. Oh. Welcome back. M-V-P. I thought you were going to spell Michael, and I'm like, don't. don't Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm like, it's gone off. Yeah. We don't have time. Uh, Who do we think? MVP? There's a lot this episode. There is a lot. Yeah, there is a lot. I feel like a Yavos. Mm -hmm. Like, stealing his resolve to finally burn some books. Well. And, And clearing... Some good AOE. He also ran all the way across the room without us and didn't die. I did run a full 30 feet in six seconds. That could be play of the game, though. Just the the, the (laughs) full move. Yeah, the full move (laughs) for Iavos. That's perfect. I don't know. I think I feel like MVP for Iavos seems fair. Like, he burned a book. Uh, His AOE stuff was what was Mm -hmm. popping duplicates. Uh, He's the one that repaired and burned the book. I have a secret play of the game slash MVP for somebody out there. MVP goes out to the Wasting Waifs, whose manifesto never got read. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Those poor waifs. <laughs> I accept this headcanon. My waifu. No. I wrote, like, I wrote, like, a bunch of these books, right? And that was the only one I didn't read. I'm like, fair enough. All right. Well, no one went, will ever to read waste. it. <laughs> the Wasted Waifs. They were Hunger Strikers Law. Be more sensitive. <laughs> Play of the game? Are we going with... Running old man is that play of the game? <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah, that's fine. Old man risks broken hip. I like I like that Angelo came up with the idea for MVP and play of the game, and it's just a joke every time. Ever it's great. Ever I like the joke. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. I love it every time. Um, the uneducating 
Yeah, cool ability. That, was, that, that was, ability. was a super fun ability. I didn't want to use it until like the mid roll, and I was like, I'm going to use this a lot. And then I was like, no, he needs to keep spending his shit on keeping these uh, copies up. <laughs> yeah. Time to go around the table? Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's MVP and play of the game. My name is Michael Loving. I play Halifan. My name is Angelo Kaluug, <laughs> and I play Gaspar, the headless rogue of the Phantom subclass. I am Dana Ebert. I play Penny Farthing. She is a fawn. She is also fun. <laughs> and she's probably also a fan. Yeah. The Fun Vaughn fan. Indeed. Uh, my name is Law. I play Iavos Isadora, holder of the quill and uh, witness to the Withering Acre. Do you want to? Oh, no, I don't need to introduce myself. No, I, uh, <laughs> we're the Codices, also known as Zachary Barkas, the uh, Dungeon Master and Technical Director. I really enjoyed this this build. It's a, it's complicated uh, if if you're trying to cram it all into a podcast, but I'm really excited to try and use this in a, like an actual game mm-hmm. just to see how much more like flair I can give it. Sure. But um, I also want to thank Hedegar the Editor for all of his beautiful editing. I also want to thank uh, Brie Golden at Golden Stylus for her uh, beautiful maps. She does uh, specifically want to retouch the boss room map for this one because she did not feel very proud of it because it was rushed. Can always go back. But yeah, even still, it's still it's still. We fun. are very nice. demanding and we ask a lot of our partners. I specifically, I specifically was like, you don't need to do it. You don't need to have it perfect now. As long as it looks good for the patrons. That's what I care about. We'll deal with the bare bones. Mm-hmm. It looks great, though. Yeah, yeah it, it looks, looks so good. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of The League of Ultimate Questing. You can find us on most major social media platforms. We have a Facebook group, a Twitter page, an Instagram. You can find all of those things at theluq.com, which also includes links to Patreon, the merch store, all of the episodes, you name it. It's on that website. Anybody else? Good luck. (laughs) I'm hot. It's not even the the saying. (laughs) We wish you luck. Happy summer, everybody. We wish you luck. Like.